Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to seek God's presence and serve God's people. Now, let's get to the message. Today, I get the privilege of continuing in our Holding Nothing Back series. And the reason why we started this year with this series is because we wanted it to be a prophetic declaration to you this year, 2022, that you are holding nothing back from Jesus. This family is holding nothing back from Jesus. What do you want from us, Jesus? You can have it. What do you want? Do you want my life? Do you want my worship? Do you want my job? Do you want my money? What do you want? You can have it. This is a year, 2022, the year of growing down here at Legacy. So if you're brand new here, that's what we declared over this year. And I promise that if you are actively believing for God to grow your root system deeper and build your life on him, the foundation, the cornerstone, then you're going to have to give up some things. You're going to have to lay down some things. So we thought it was appropriate to kick this um, year off with this series and just believe God um, to transform our lives in a way that we would trust him and we would hold absolutely nothing back from him. He's worthy, right? He really is so good. I really don't think we have a reasonable excuse to give God our leftovers. I don't know what you walked in here with. What, your grief, your, your challenges, your real normal life. You know, you dragged your kids in here and they were kicking and screaming and fighting in the car. Whatever it is, there just truly is no reasonable excuse to give God our leftovers. He did not spare anything. Can you imagine if we, we were like, you know what? God, I, I gave you, I, I lifted my hand, you know, that's, that's enough, you know. I, my heart breaks thinking of Jesus doing that to us, you know. Hey, I prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. I, I forgave sins, like that's enough. Can you imagine had he not been so willing to pour out everything for you? Can you imagine if he had stopped at, that's enough. Because he's not a, that's enough God. He's an abundantly more than you could ask, think, or imagine kind of God. And we have to behave like him. We are an abundant people and we behave abundantly in his presence. And so today we're going to just dive into the scripture and really look at what it's like to give God our everything, to give God our best and give him our all. Give him our best and give him our all. So I don't know. I'm curious today. Are you curious about God? You should be. Or have you figured him out? Sometimes I I think that I figured him out. You know, I met God sovereignly in my bedroom as a four-year-old. He came to me sovereignly, which is why I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is at work in children. And if we can see our children saved and actually have an encounter with the living God, they will never depart from him. So walking with the Lord, I'm I'm a young 32, but... I've been walking with the Lord for that many years. And sometimes I feel like I've, I've got them figured out. But one of the most powerful things that a believer has in their back pocket is curiosity with God. God, what do I not know about you yet? What do you want to teach me? What do I need to know about you that I don't know about you yet? So today I want us to turn on our curiosity and I want us to approach the Bible, not like we have it all figured out or we know what it's like to give God our all or our everything. What if he's asking for something new in this season? What if in the last season he was like, hey, I want your job, you know? And sometimes we're like, hey God, I already gave you the thing you asked for. But the truth is God's, he's, he's looking for more, you know, he's looking for more of us. Maybe in this season, he's like, I want your mornings, you know, are you, are you curious enough to know what he's asking for in this season of your life? So I want us to be curious today. And we're going to read from one of my favorite passages of scripture. Um, so you can turn with me to Luke seven today. We're going to read about 11 verses of scripture. And some of you are going to be familiar with this passage. Uh, and it's a good one. So let's stand today. 
as we read the Bible, Luke 7, verse 36 through 47. If you have your Bible, if not, you can read it from the screen here, okay? This is titled, A Sinful Woman Forgiven. (laughs) Verse 36 says this, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is and who's touching him, for she is a sinner. This next part is terrifying to me, just so you know. Verse 40, and Jesus answering said to him, the man was thinking in his head this thought, and then Jesus answered him out loud. You can't play hide and seek with Jesus. He knows what's really in your heart. Some of us think that we can behave outwardly appropriately, but inward be far from him and he doesn't know it. That's like Lyle being mad at me and me not knowing it. If you're married, there ain't no hiding when your spouse is upset with you. He might not say it on the outside, but I'm like, he mad at me. That's what it's like being in a relationship with Jesus. And I love this. (laughs) I love this. Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon answered, say it, teacher, as if Jesus didn't know what he was thinking in his head. He was like, I'm going to come across really. Teacher, speak to me. Had he known, I wonder if he would have been like, yeah, bring it at me, Jesus. Had Had he known that Jesus knew it was in his heart. Verse 41 Jesus says, a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, while he was looking at the woman, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kisses, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, that's me, I got many sins, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, or better said, thinks they've been forgiven little, loves little. Let's pray this morning. Jesus, illuminate your goodness to us in a fresh way today. Jesus, I beg you, do not be in our midst and us ignore you. Jesus, please, we want to be with you. You are available here, so we cling to you today. We ask that you would not leave us the same, that we would exit this room different than when we came in this room, and not because of a good word, but because you are a good God, and because you bring transformation, you forgive us of our sins, you heal our bodies, you heal our broken mindsets. Jesus, please, we beg you, don't leave us the same. We want to be curious about your presence. We want to be curious about the way that you move and do life. So Jesus, we honor you in this place. Take your rightful seat and teach us, teach us your ways. We receive them now in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you can be seated. The topic that we're going to be discussing this morning and the title of my message is simple, kissing the feet of Jesus. We just want to be a people that are at his feet, right? We just want to be a people that are there at his feet, clinging, not, and not even just there, 
but doing something. I want to be at his feet, actively engaged with him. And so today I want us to explore, hey, what does it look like for us to give Jesus our best and give Jesus our all? Because we see in the life of the Pharisee what it looks like to hold something back from God, to hold something back from him, to withhold our everything when he is in the room. It's possible. Did you know it's possible to withhold everything or something from the King of Kings if he was physically in the room with you? I think so. Some of us, me included, I'm like, if you were just here in the room, I would just be a mess. You know, I'd just be a wreck. I'd be laid out on the floor. But we see in this story that's actually possibly not true. We could, in fact, be the kind of people like the Pharisee that has Jesus in their midst but completely ignores him, completely misses him. And so, you know, I think that's, at least like me, sometimes um, I invite Jesus in to my life or, you know, I'm like, hey, come into this situation. But then once he gets there, I'm like, actually, it'd be better if you were outside, you know, maybe not in the midst of this situation. Um, we, we say we want him, but when he comes in, we reject him. Not us, no, you know. We invite him in to our hearts or to our situation. We prefer he stayed out because we recognize that when he comes in, he demands transformation in our life. And he actually demands that we become more like him. And there's actually something to be done in the presence of God. And so I, no judgment. I've been there too where I'm like, hey, Jesus, I want you here. But then when he comes in, I'm like, not that way. Not like that. And, you know, I think so often we read this story and we're like, we are the women with the alabaster jar. Why do we do that? I do that all the time. I'm like, I'm her because that's what I want to be. But I'm her. I'm like, I'm breaking my box every single time. I'm giving Jesus my everything. But there are a lot of times where I am the Pharisee in the story. And I've got to get comfortable with recognizing the places in me that are just like a Pharisee. Because if I don't get comfortable recognizing that, I will never transform beyond that. And my relationship with Jesus is dependent upon me being dependent upon him. But Pharisees aren't dependent, you know? They think they've got it all figured out. And I'm gonna tell on myself for a little bit and, and tell you a funny story about the first time I went to Pemba, Mozambique and hung out with Mama Heidi. And um, she is the most laid down person I've ever been with and laid down meaning completely dependent upon Jesus. If you're unfamiliar with Iris Global, it's a missions movement. And she has seen so much transformation in an entire nation. It's what we all dream of our lives having the impact of. We want to see the nations transformed. And the first time I went in and I was with her in, in Pimba, Mozambique, I was miserable. Absolutely miserable. I really like schedules and I really like things to be in order. I really, really, really like to predict what's going to happen in my life. Anybody else like that? Anyone? Hello. That is me. Okay. I, I'm pretty go with the flow in the sense of I'm, I'm flexible to a certain extent. This is where I've, I've learned this about myself as an adult. I think I used to grow up being like, I'm so flexible. I'm like, you know, I say this a lot, I'm the 90th nine on the Enneagram, I'll like bend backwards to make, but to a certain extent. And then I come to a place where I'm like, no, not that, not that far, Lord. And Pimba pushed me to that far. And Pimba, affectionately, I've, I've, it's a Pharisee graveyard. Um, if you have any part of you that needs things to be a certain way to encounter God, you ain't gonna get it there. And I went there and Lyle is like, he, you, if you guys, you guys know my husband, he is like, crazy. He loves, the more we're doing, the better, right? That's why we're like, have a school and we're like doing school ministry stuff in the fall. And we're like renovating millions of buildings, right? Because he's just like, his energy is like, go, go, go. So he gets to Pemba. He loves it. He's like, let's just go. We're going, we're going. I'm heartbroken. 
and I'm cried every single day. People are get, literally, I'm seeing people get their, their deaf ears open, meet Jesus for the first time in a village, never heard the voice or the name of Jesus Christ, see him and meet him for the first time. Literally the most gorgeous thing on planet earth. And I just don't care. I don't care because I'm so uncomfortable and I don't like the way that Jesus is doing things. I don't like it. And so I'm telling on myself, okay? So bear with me, telling on myself. So we get to like day five, six. I am sitting on the edge of our bed. I'm weeping. And if you've ever been to Pemba, you know this experience very well. You're sitting on the edge. You're somewhere weeping probably. I'm weeping. I'm telling Lyle, I want to go home. I don't want to do this anymore. And he's, he looked at me and he said, well, you're going to have to figure it out because we're going to be here for another few days. And you can either engage with what God's doing in your life or you can absolutely miss it. And I realized in that moment, I was missing Jesus in my midst. And I, I lay down in my bed that night and I prayed the simple prayer, God, show me your face. In the midst of this, show me your face. I promise you, I won't ignore you. I just promise. And I felt this wave of peace come over me and, it, and I had this dream. And in the dream, I, I got the actual call on my life to do ministry, okay? Like, like call from the Lord to do this thing called church planting in Pimba, Mozambique, in the midst of my snot and tears, not wanting to receive Jesus in the way he was coming. And I remember I woke up the next day and I, I hit my knees and I repented and I said, Jesus, I do not want to be the kind of follower that needs you to happen a certain way for me to receive you. Do whatever you need to do in me to become the person you showed me that I can become. I have to let it go. I have to lay it down. And I repented and in that moment, um, I remember just feeling his pleasure, but I also felt his power. And I thought about this in first service, that sometimes we, we genuinely need the raw power of God in our life to do some, like for him to actually move and do something big. But we are literally boxing him out of our life by demanding he come a certain way. So we're not only not getting the grace of God for the situation, but we're also not receiving the power of God for our situation. And I just, I had to repent because I realized I'm being the Pharisee. You know, and the Pharisee in me always misses when Jesus is right in front of me. You know, they always miss when Jesus and not the person, the revelation of who Jesus was, they missed it. And it was right in front of them. He was telling them story after story after story. This is what the kingdom is like. This is what I'm like. This is what the father is like. And they just missed it. They missed it because they didn't like it. They didn't like the way it, it happened. And so I want us to kind of like contrast um, these symptoms of a Pharisee spirit because I want us to recognize in us where we have this spirit at play in our life and give us the opportunity to lay it down and let it go and, and move into a lifestyle of pouring out at the feet of Jesus, okay? So here are five symptoms of the Pharisee spirit and just recognize where it is at work in your life because we all have an area including me, that this is at work. So the first this is this. A Pharisee says they want Jesus, but when he comes in, they reject him. Pretty consistently throughout um, the Gospels, this story is a really great picture of that. Hey, the person of Jesus comes in, but we're, we're, we're not really sure we want him to do what he does, right? You see it in the temple all the time. Hey, Jesus is reading and doing things that the Pharisees did not approve of. That's the Pharisee and me a lot of times says, okay, God, come on in. He points out sin in my life. And I say, not that. That's, that's Pharisee spirit and at work in my life. Hey, I don't want transformation there. I'm good. Two is a Pharisee is disturbed by and judgmental of expressions of radical worship to Jesus. And I know in this house, we really, really love to worship Jesus. We really do. And so sometimes I think we can kind of think that this is not a play in our lives. Um, but it, it is, you know, when you see someone who's really, really laid out for Jesus, you know, like they have recognized that their life is a whole mess and you know that their life is a whole mess and they come to give Jesus everything. How do you respond to that? How do you respond when the person who hurt you worships Jesus in the front? That's a Pharisee spirit at play in your life and it's got to go because you have to recognize that Jesus has the opportunity to meet every single person where they are. And who knows, um, their, their expression of radical worship could be 
radical repentance, you know? And you, you indict yourself when you judge someone's worship if, you know, even if you don't think that they are genuine in it. That's what I see, not, not here in this house as like, oh, this is spirit, but this is where I see we could get tempted is to judge people that we've seen throughout the week behaving a certain way or they hurt us and then they come into the house and they worship God with abandon. Check yourself. You're not in charge of their worship. You're in charge of your own. You're in charge of your own. That hit, didn't it? Okay, three, a Pharisee, I like this one. A Pharisee trusts their own judgment above God's. Okay, so basically they believe themselves to be more righteous than God shows himself to be in his word. This is, um, this is a very common thing happening right now in our culture is I see it, church culture, okay, I'm not gonna speak to a greater culture, um, is people questioning the commandments of Jesus and, saying, and, and questioning the way that the Bible frames our life and saying, hey, I don't know if the, there, there should be more um, maybe mercy in this way of doing things or... Um, careful because that's the Pharisee heart spirit at work in you because Jesus's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And what it does is it separates the heart from the motive. It's like your motive is here, but your action and your heart is here. And it separates the two and it's able to say, hey, this is what I call righteousness. And I will, I beg you as a church, when you read through the scripture, do not abandon what Jesus calls righteousness. If he calls it, it righteous and you're like, that feels like, that feels really intense. Um, okay. He's kind of intense sometimes because he's holy. And, and when we adhere to his form of righteousness, listen, there are plenty of things that I would um, accept and do in my own spirit out of my own flesh because I think it's just fine. But the Bible says that it is not fine so I don't do it because I am a Christian. And I'm not trying to be intense about this, but I am, I am just trying to encourage us that we cannot invent our own form of righteousness and say, hey, God, because we think that we're being like really gentle and we're being just like incredibly like amazing. But what we're doing is we're behaving like a Pharisee and that's what Pharisees do. And I'm going to read this, this verse and prove it to you. Mark three verses four through six. Okay. So Jesus, this is the story where Jesus is in the temple and a man with a crippled hand comes in and Jesus wants to heal him. And the Pharisees get onto him. They say, um, Jesus, Jesus says this to them after they're kind of bickering about it, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill but they, the Pharisees, remained silent. And he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Jesus is, gets angry at the way that we embrace sin. Okay, so there's that. And he's deeply distressed at the stubbornness of their hearts, not to turn the other direction. So he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then what did the Pharisees do? They went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Why? They, went, they wanted to kill Jesus because they, they thought that they were more righteous than him by following the law um, at, the, at the, you know, the detail, but missing the big picture right? So we got to be people that see the big picture and not miss Jesus in the details and be like, oh, just because, you know, he didn't, he didn't heal my aunt. He's not good, right? Like there are little things that we let that, that, that disturb the peace of our guts and this peace of our spirit that Jesus has something to say about, you know, and he wants to talk to you about those things relationally. So number four is a Pharisee conveniently misses when Jesus is at work in their life. This happens to me all the time. He might come through for me in my finances and I'll be like, cool, that happened again. You know, and I'm not like impressed by God. Like God is so impressive, whether it's 20,000 or 20, you know, it wasn't there before. And he came through and he did, he did a work in my life. And I think of, uh, the Pharisee in me likes to take credit you know, likes to take credit for what God's doing. I'm like, it's because I was like so faithful or it's because I like prayed the right prayer or because I behaved the right way. But in reality, it's all a miracle. The breath in my lungs is a miracle that Jesus gave to me. And so I think we, we so often are like, oh, Jesus, you know, I deserved that. I've been at church every single week. 
I've been giving in tithe. I've been good to my wife, you know? But we are owed nothing but the breath in our lungs. He gave us everything, you know, everything. He's so generous towards us. And, and a Pharisee spirit in me likes to miss the little things that he does. He, it actually also likes to miss the big things too and rewrite stories in my head and in my heart that are, you know, I did that on my own. So we have to repent of that. Okay, Jesus, where are you at work in my life? And I'm missing you. The fifth thing is this, a Pharisee withholds from God in worship, meaning they love a little. They love a little. And that could come across several different ways. You might be like the most demonstrative person in worship, but if your heart is far from him, then your love is little, right? Like it's just, it's a little love. Can you imagine if your heart was connected to him, what your worship would look like? You know, can you imagine what you would give to Jesus if you just recognized who he really is? Who he really is. Because if we don't see him rightly, then we cannot be transformed into his image. And what pride does, which is the heart of a Pharisee, is, is a heart of pride. What pride does is it blocks your view of Jesus. So when pride is at work in our life, we cannot be transformed into the person of Jesus because we cannot see him rightly. So we have to be like, okay, we got to get rid of this pride in my life. God, please address me. And it's really when you get fully acquainted with your natural humanity, like your ego, your pride, your self-dependence, you know, all of the things we try to do on our own, that's when we can actually accept our need of Jesus. It's like you actually have to get real before the Lord. And we say it all the time, like, I just got to get honest. Just got honest before the Lord. I'm realizing um, in, in my leadership journey that I'm not incredibly inspired or impressed by people's honesty. I'm really impressed by people's vulnerability. Honesty is like when I, when I tell my friends my house is a mess and they like come over and it's like a little bit of mess. It's like, I want to tell you what, you know, like I want to appear a certain way. So I'm going to tell you what I think you want to hear to keep you, you know, away from asking me these questions about what's really happening in my heart. But like vulnerability is like, here's my, here's my junk drawer. It looks like chaos in there. You know, like honesty is, hey, this is what I want you to hear. Vulnerability is, this is absolutely what I don't want you to hear. But I know you need to hear in order for me to transform. So I'm gonna be, I'm gonna tell you what's really happening on the inside of me. And the thing is, when you get really acquainted with that need in your life, you get really, um, you, you get desperate for Jesus. You realize, hey, he's everything that I need. He's the solution to every problem. And that's what the woman with the alabaster, you know, box does. She became absolutely aware of the availability of Jesus. He was in her midst and she did something about it. You know, she wasn't in the house. The story says she, she came into the house. When she realized that Jesus was there, she came into the house and she recognized, I am a mess, but I am a mess without him. With him, maybe he could change everything. You know, maybe you could change everything. She had that awareness. And really, she had a revelation of who Jesus was to her, which was her salvation, which was her hope. It was the cornerstone she could build her life on. And she came in knowing that she was sinful. She knew she was sinful. I promise you, she did not want to walk into that Pharisee's house. She did not want to, but she was like, I don't care because that's where Jesus is. And this might be the only time, this might be the only time I get to see him. And, he, and I just need to give him something because he's, I know that he can transform my life. And so I imagine her like running into her bedroom and, you know, picking up her, her best, her best. I, some of you are familiar with the story, but um, Culturally, this alabaster jar represented the entirety of her life savings. She probably didn't have a lot, but that was it. That was it. If she broke it, it was gone. And she had nothing left, not a thing left. And she got it without question. I just imagine her. I imagine her without question immediately running and grabbing it and coming to the feet of, the, of Jesus and almost like stumbling into the doorway and just breaking it at his feet in such a way that was fully embarrassing and very, very inappropriate for what was happening in the moment. But she didn't question. She was like, immediately, I, I got my best. And she came into his presence with something that cost her something. 
And we all want to be that person that comes into the presence of God with something that, you know, is costly. We think about that passage in the Psalms um, that David's like, I refuse to give you something that cost me nothing. And we're like, God, let us be that people. And sometimes it, we think about it and we ponder it, but we never actually do something about it or let that touch our everyday life and say, okay, God, what do you want from me? And how do I give you something that costs me something? How do I give you my best? And how do I give you my all? And so I have kind of five things that I think we can extract from the life of this woman that will be helpful in your walk with the Lord. And as you are on this journey to pour out everything to the Lord, as you are on the, on the journey of saying, God, I want to hold nothing back from you. I want to give you my everything. I think that her life is one of the most beautiful pictures to model yourself after as you are adventuring to give God your best and your all. So here um, are a couple of things. Here are five expressions of holding nothing back from God in worship that I see in her life. The first thing is this, you got to be at his feet. You got to be at his feet. And this to me represents dependency. Okay, I'm going to try to get a little bit practical um, to the best of my ability, but this represents dependency. It's the, it's the statement, I must have Jesus. For me in my life, too much comfort, I'm telling myself again, too much comfort in my life um, erases the, the phrase, I must have Jesus in my life. It's like a weird thing. I don't know. It, I like to be really comfortable. I, the, the list and the, you know, you come to my house and everything's like, you know, I've got a lot of kids, so it's not always in order, but like, you know, everything's white, <laughs> like gray. And, our, you know, it's got its little home because I like comfort. For me, if I, wasn't, if I wasn't a pastor, I'd be a midwife, okay, so hear that. But if I wasn't a midwife, I'd be an interior designer, right? Because I like the home. I like comfort. And so sometimes for me, the, the pursuit of comfort is actually, and when I apprehend it in my life, I actually don't have that phrase in my vocabulary anymore. I'm like, I kind of need Jesus. But I kind of got it on my own over here, you know. And so I have this experience in my life where Jesus likes to make me uncomfortable. He's really okay with disrupting my order of things because he knows that I want him more than anything and that I will be okay if I'm uncomfortable because I just want to have the thing in my heart that says I must have Jesus. Some of you are in that season and you are praying away a thing that you ask God to do in your life. You're a little uncomfortable, but you are in a season where you're like, I must have Jesus. And I'm telling you that is the hand of the Lord in your life. And he is moving you into, a, he's moving you through places of discomfort so that he can have more of you. Because it's all he wants. He just wants you. He wants you dependent upon him. So don't pray away things that you're like, that God's doing in your life. Okay, so that's one. Be at his feet. Okay, two, become acquainted with weeping. And not just weeping in the presence or weeping like for the sake of crying. More so become obsessed with being vulnerable before God. Like I said before, there's a difference between honesty and vulnerability. If I sit in a meeting with someone, I know if they're just being honest with me or if they're being vulnerable with me. And how much more does God know that about your heart and about your being? Just be, be transparent. Tell them what's really going on in your life. This woman was literally probably so overwhelmed with the thought of having to bust into that house. But her vulnerability carried her there and she was willing to be a little embarrassed you know, not have it all together. Some of us are so obsessed with having it all together, you're missing Jesus. We are so obsessed with things being in the right order and us looking a certain way that we absolutely miss him. Because he's like, I want you to be a little messy today with me. And it's not making messes for other people to trip over, but it's bringing your mess to the feet of Jesus and saying, this is where my mess belongs with you. And I think this woman is so, such a great picture uh, because she was real and she's honest and vulnerable and she's not playing hide and seek with God. She actually respects the Lord. She's like, you know, she's not thinking things in her head. She's just laying it all out at her feet, at his feet. It probably would have been better for, for the Pharisee to just say it out loud because at least he was going to be vulnerable in that moment, but he kept it to himself. Jesus still saw it anyways, but he received her worship, even though it was messy, because she laid it all out at his feet and she was willing to give him what she had, which was her tears, you know? Number three is this, be willing to stoop to wash his feet. 
And this means humility. We have to leave our pride at the door. It doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks of how you live your life. It really matters what God has to say about how you live your life, you know? It doesn't matter, um, you know, what season I'm in. I have to be in a place where I'm like, I must bring glory to God. You know, I just, I've got to give it to him. I've got to get low. I've got to be willing to give him something that cost me something. And I, I, don't, I don't know if this is some uh, a kind of a thought that is very popular in our current church climate um, is the thought of being humble before the Lord and recognizing that the fear of God has a place in our worship and understanding who he is should inform the posture that you approach him. Understanding that he is God and we are not, I'm willing to stoop low. He is not abusive, but he is holy. And it should inform the way that we approach him. He doesn't like stand there with his foot on you. You know what I mean? He's just there like cleaning up your mess as you humbly lay it there at his feet. And so I think one of the things that she does so well is show us that humility unlocks the compassion of the heart of Jesus. It just unlocked the compassion part of his heart. He was like, oh, I just want to take her and I just want to make this all good. And I receive this worship. I want him to receive my worship. I don't want it to be, I don't want to sing a song. I don't want to live a life. I want him to receive my worship. I want at the end of my life him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I receive you into my presence. So, I, so I'm like, I'm, I'm captivated by, hey, God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to lay down? Do you want me to stand up? Do you want me to do jumping jacks? Do you want me to give you all my money? Like, whatever it is, nothing's too silly and nothing's too crazy. I've done weird things in the presence of God. I'm like, okay, you want me to do like, I was in, like I said in the back, I was doing like high kicks, you know? Why? I don't care. It's him. He, whatever he wants, he can have it. So number four is this, we gotta, we gotta be willing to kiss his feet. And that's the title of my message. And, and this is why, because I think this is kind of the crux of the posture that I want us to live 2022 with. And it's intimacy, intimacy. This is all about relational worship, not just demonstrative worship. We are a house that has demonstrative worship, but we will not be a house that stops at demonstrative worship. We will be a house that connects with the heart of the Lord, investigates what he wants, and we live a life that is fully connected to him no matter what it costs us. And um, she, I love that she was giving to him kisses. I can't imagine how awkward that was in that moment. Um, but it's, it's this this seeking to understand, hey, God, um, how do you want to be loved? And even if it looks embarrassing, this is what intimacy demands. So I will, I will love you in the way that you want to be loved. And this woman was a beautiful prophetic picture because she discerned appropriately how Jesus likes to be loved. Have you ever been curious enough to ask God how he wants to be loved? Sometimes I forget. Sometimes I forget that like we're in a relationship, you know, with Lyle. Like he's, he's words of affirmation, okay? So if I'm like, that looks really great on you. You're like the best leader ever. I love following you. He's like love tank, just like it's so full. But if I ignored that throughout the entirety of our relationship and never sought to love him in the way that he wants to be loved, we would be divorced, you know what I mean? Like we would be disconnected. And so many Christians, so many believers are operating under this mindset that, that Jesus will just receive me however I come. And he, that's true. That I, you know what? In some ways, I think that that is very true. But that's not how I want to do my relationships. And that's the goal. I want to be in relationship with him. And so I investigate his heart. Hey, how do you want to be loved today? Do you want it to be with a shout of praise? Do you want it to be, you know, with me snuggling my children? Do you want me to write a song? Do you want me to, you know, sell a house? I don't know. What do you want? What do you want from me? And that's where I'm like, that is 22 for our family here at Legacy. Jesus, what do you want from us? I want us to get really great at asking that question. Hey, how do you want to be loved? My service, my worship, my parenting, my job. How do you want to be loved through this today? And the final thing, the fifth thing that I see in her is her anointing him with oil. 
not like physical. She did it with physical ointment. But for us, that represents to me pure ministry to Jesus. Um, A lot of times we approach I, maybe not we, a lot of times I approach Jesus like, I'm so glad I'm at church today. What are you going to do for me, God? I come expectant, but I don't come prepared. I come expecting him to do something, but I do not come with my, my, you know, with my offering to him. I don't come ready to pour out on him. There is, um, I see in scripture that there is an appropriate way to approach God. And the first is pure ministry to him. First and foremost, you must come postured full Full. That's how we see the city transform. They come in empty, but we are full giving Jesus our everything. But here's what's so cool is that when you anoint him, he anoints you back. When you lay things out at his feet, when you pour out your love and your life at his feet, he just anoints you back. And the only reason we can do it in the first place is because before the foundations of the earth, his son was slayed. You know, Jesus was already on the cross before the foundations of the earth. He had already loved us more than we could ever love him from the beginning of time. So we're not, we're not like coming, not, you know, not with something to give. He already gave us everything. So we come ready to pour out and it's just this beautiful cycle. You see it in Revelation, right? The, the bowls tipping, right? It's the vertical ministry to Jesus and she's the prophetic picture of what the church is supposed to behave like in this hour and in this season. We are supposed to be a people first and foremost postured to pour out our love on him. If you walked in the door and you didn't feel like it, feel like it, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not like, I'm not like trying to kick through like, oh, just if you're having a terrible day, come and pretend. But this is the thing. What happens when you don't realize how much you've been forgiven, you have to come in and pretend. But when you have a revelation of Jesus and what he's done in your life, your love is big, even if you're having a bad day. Your love is big. It's like, I don't care if I had a bad day. He's worthy of everything. I don't care if I had a bad week or a bad month or I lost everything. Jesus is in the room and he is deserving of my worship. And that is what happens when you recognize you have been forgiven much. And we have to remember we've been forgiven a whole lot. Every sin, every trespass, every bad way of thinking, he has made right through his blood. And so if you don't, feel like it, just remember what you've been forgiven of. You cannot see God without Jesus. You cannot go to heaven without Jesus. It is his way, the narrow path. And we're grateful because in front of him, it's a wide path. I'm like, oh, you said it was narrow because it was one choice. It's one choice, but it's wide. It's the wide open spaces that you get to experience. And that's what this woman experienced. And that's who I want to be. That's who I want to be. I don't want to become a professional Christian. Ew. Ew. (laughs) I don't want to be a professional Christian because to me, a professional Christian is another word for a Pharisee. It's just another word for a Pharisee. If I come here every single week and I become so comfortable with the fact that he loves me and I never have a revelation that without him, I do not know love, then I will pour out on him what I have, which is very regularly a little. I am a mom. I have three kids. I pastor this church. I run a team. I have very little in my natural self. But when I have a revelation of who he is, there is nothing that I will not give him. There's nothing. And that's, our, that's us. That's us. That's legacy. That's who we will be. And that's who we are becoming. And so today, as we're standing, I want us to do just something really specific. And I want us to take a moment and ask the Lord for real Be vulnerable before the Lord, not honest. Not just honest. Be honest, cool. But show him the closet where the lack of dependency is. 
Show them the closet where the lack of trust is. Show them the closet where um, you have rejected humility in your relationship with him. That is one of the hardest ones to identify. In my own life, a lack of humility masquerading as pride that I can do it myself or I have it all figured out. It is, I'm telling you, it makes me so upset because it blocks my view of Jesus and I stop transforming. I stay the same. And I can tell you, if you've been in my church for long enough, if you've been in this community long enough, if you've stayed the same over the last five years, I could probably diagnose the symptom and it's lack of humility. Because you stop transforming. You have to see him rightly, but pride doesn't allow us to see him rightly. And so today I want us just to ask Jesus, I'm gonna give us a couple of minutes, seconds, a couple of seconds. <laughs> and I just want you to ask Jesus, where's the Pharisee in me? And then when he tells you, I want you to pick up your, your box and break it at his feet, however you see fit. I'm gonna give us a full minute to do it. I'll pray. And then we'll do this. It might get a little weird. It might get a little uncomfortable. But in the way that you know you need to break your box, just do it. Just do it today because it's gonna set your year up in a way that you want it to be set up, okay? If you're new here and this feels a little strange, just trust the voice of Jesus, okay? My voice might be new to you, but his voice, it's consistent. So whatever he says, just do it. So Jesus, we ask that you would reveal to us where we have been self-reliant, self-dependent, judgmental, where there is a Pharisee spirit at work in us. And we ask that you would reveal it and we want to exchange it. And we wanna give you our best and we wanna give you our all today, Jesus. Just break it. Just break it. If you need to break, break. Jesus, we hold nothing back. We hold nothing back from you, Jesus. We are not professional Christians. We are not professional believers. We are dependent. We are desperate. We want your presence. We want you at work in our life, Jesus. God, we repent for becoming professionals. Receive our repentance. Receive our repentance, Jesus. If you're in this room and maybe you have wandered far away from the Lord or you've never given your life to him, like you've never broken your box at his feet and said, it's your way. I'm following you, Jesus. I just wanna make space right now to give you the opportunity to come home to Jesus, to get saved and to have your salvation in Jesus Christ. So if that's you with every eye closed and every head bowed, today is a day for homecoming. And if that is you, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just want you to raise your hand and we're all gonna pray with you together, okay? Every eye closed, every head bowed. I see you, I see you, I see you. It's a day for coming home, I see you. Anybody else? Jesus is offering you salvation from your sin. He's offering you restoration of life. He's offering you 
connection to the Holy Spirit. So if that's you, just keep your hand lifted. We're all gonna pray together. I see you. Just pray with me. Jesus, you are the only way. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I repent now and I turn away from my sins. I ask that your blood would wash over me and I receive your salvation today. Holy Spirit, fill me. May I not depart from Jesus all the days of my life. I receive you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today is a shift for some of you, and today is a day to maybe write something new in your journal or make a new commitment to the Lord. And so if that's that's you. We're actually going to have um, a ministry team up here in the front. If you receive Jesus for the first time today, or you receive Jesus for the first time in a long time today, I'm actually going to invite you when, when we dismiss in just a second to come forward um, and meet with one of our um, prayer ministry teams. They're going to help you get set up with some next steps, baptisms, a Bible, a connect place. Sometimes it's like Holy moly, I feel like I just jumped off the deep end, but you're not alone. And we have someone here that's willing to receive you and take you through a process. Um, And yeah, I I just, if you also are just feeling that you need prayer today, the prayer team is here for that as well. But let's just give Jesus a round of applause today. He's amazing. He's really, really good. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure you log into the store and give us a good review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Join us again next week for another powerful word.